0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Halfcore Press podcast. Um, I'm Wilson Moore, joined as always by John Walker. And John, pretty eventful couple days of college basketball in the state. Uh, Creighton beat the number one team in the country, and Nebraska did something, I mean, based on the trajectory of the season, maybe more <laughs> unlikely than that, and won yeah. a big end game on the road so lots to talk about today lots to get through uh, from the uh
1: last week of college basketball yeah yeah it's gonna be you know i think back to where we were a month ago and we were just saying man we got to get we got to get through january we've got to get through the end of january and uh and here we are and things have picked up <laughs> quite a bit we expected them to and and they they certainly have yeah that's that's a good one Nebraska yeah probably more unlikely than knocking off the number one <laughs> number one team in the country but no for sure how are you Wilson I'm doing well
0: yeah um, you know I uh, I didn't make the trip to Indiana unfortunately so I was just a uh, the I was return ready for my trip cha- what the return trip the return trip yes um, yeah yesterday was exactly one year to the day. That I moved out of Indiana so it would have been some nice poetry if I had gone back that day but didn't make the trip it would have been about 10 hours that's a that's a long way to go for 40 minutes of basketball Um, (laughs) yeah so uh, wrote from the couch um had a nice uh had a nice view on the tv of uh of Nebraska's first win um on the road this season in conference play win over Indiana how are you John?
1: Man, yeah, I'm good. I'm a little sleepy. I don't think I've fully recovered from Tuesday, um, and Creighton's upset of number one UConn. Uh, late night, earlier morning, kind of whatever. <laughs> but either way, uh, didn't watch the back of my eyelids pretty much. Um, but I'm I'm gonna do that here soon before I I head to New York this week. New York, uh, for the St. John's matchup kind of, uh, so, you know, long ways to go for 40 minutes of basketball. I like that. I'm going to steal it for sure. <laughs> long ways to go for 40 minutes of basketball, but I'm good, Wilson. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to just dive into it? I think, uh, yeah, we, yeah, man. see. We can, we can start, we can start on Tuesday night. Uh, Cre- Creighton welcomes, uh, the number one team in the country, the Yukon Huskies in the CHI, uh, uh CHI health center and I don't know what you were expecting John I was expecting at least a competitive game I thought you know I thought Creighton was gonna hang with them I thought UConn was really talented and UConn was gonna pull away in kind of the final minutes that's what that was my prediction going in and that is not what happened
1: no no it's certainly not I'm trying to pull up a text that I sent to my girlfriend on Tuesday you'll get a kick out of it um but, no, I mean, it, it was just – Creighton was due for a heater like that, I think. They kind of had one in that Butler loss where they put up 98 and still lost. Um, but they, they really – they were due for a heater. <clears throat> I wasn't sure if it was Tuesday, if it was going to be Tuesday, or if it was going to be sometime as they continue tournament, Big East tournament prep. It happened Tuesday. <laughs> um, 50, 55% from the field. More importantly in that, 14 threes, uh, shot 50% from deep and just blitzed UConn. Um, I saw somebody do a film breakdown, and they were like, this is how Creighton slowed down the number one team in the country. And it, it wasn't anything that Creighton has not done all year. And that's what stood out to me, is they didn't completely deviate from who they were um, they they knew that they defended well enough in the first meeting in stores, but they could not score. Well, they got the scoring. The defense kind of came along with it again. Um they yeah. I, I just that is, candidly speaking, that's not what I expected. I saw a path to them winning. I saw a path to UConn winning. I did not expect Creighton to win by twenty against the number one team in the country. But you figured something had to give, right? Like Creighton had never beat number one. Um, UConn hadn't won on the road against a ranked opponent since 2014. That that is a crazy statistic. That is, I saw they that. have that two wild. national championships they in that time. Two national championships, no ranked road win, and they've never won in Omaha. And so it just felt like something had to give, and and it fell in Creighton's favor for a historic night in Omaha. Um, I found it. I found it. So I woke up. Um, my sister, I remember my sister called me, I got off the phone with her. I was about to go grab food and I looked at the weather app and it was like 58 or something. And and I looked out my window, there were no clouds in sight whatsoever. And so I texted my girlfriend. I said, I'm telling you right now at 1226 PM that it's too nice of a day in Omaha. Creighton is beating Yukon tonight. Wow. It just, it just, it just felt like too perfect of of a day. It really did. Um, then I guess by the end of the night, it was. So yeah, yeah. yeah I
0: I like your point about that. Creighton didn't do anything special yeah. because you know, and no, I I did watch that game, and yeah, I, I agreed with you. I mean, that Creighton has chucked up a lot of three pointers all season, and. They were just on a heater the other night. Steven Ashworth, yeah. like that oh was. Oh my uh, goodness. You know, i've I, I've gotten used. To, I've I've seen that performance. You know, several times this season out of Keisei Tominaga. That yeah. Type of just yeah. like when he crosses half court, he's in range and he is feeling it. And just, um, and he he was huge that game and just the past couple. It feels like he's kind yeah. of found his stride he seems a lot more comfortable with what creighton expects him to do where he's at in the offense
1: yeah i think he's averaging like 19 points over the last seven which that's the player they recruited when when they went in the portal and they got steven ashworth and they saw this kid from utah state they saw a volume score who could hit from anywhere on the floor <clears throat> and so it took him a little bit of time to, to kind of nestle into this role because with Baylor Shireman, Trey Alexander, Ryan Kaufbrenner, like nobody's really a volume score on this team, not not on a nightly basis. Um, you know, Trey, Trey Alexander's going to get his Baylor's going to get his, you know, they're going to they're going to run the offense through like inside out. They're going to try and get it to Ryan Kaufbrenner, let him kick it. So those guys are going to get their touches. And you knew they were going to. And in Steven Ashworth, exactly as you said, he's kind of found his like perfect role in all of that. Um, I ironically enough, I really, I really think it started that first Yukon matchup. He didn't play particularly well offensively that night, except for the final few minutes, which, yeah, UConn was already up by 20. You know, let's not forget that. Um so you know, at the time we took it with a grain of salt. But what he did in those final few minutes, getting to the rim, defending better, it, it seemed like it seemed like something clicked for him. And that's been the case ever since, really. Um but yeah, that was tomonaga esque I think. Um 13 straight points for the Jays. I mean, that 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 was stuff that you'd expect to hear on a Wednesday night when Nebraska beats Indiana on the road. Nice transition. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think you used this word uh, just a few minutes ago, but Nebraska blitzed Indiana last <laughs> night. Um, Tominaga, you knew he was feeling it a few minutes in, um, in. When he got the ball on the fast break, and instead of going to the basket, <laughs> yeah. went Ali Farouk-Manesh on everyone and came yeah. back to the corner for for a three. Then he had a step back on the on the next possession. And Indiana was doing everything it could, like we've seen teams do all year, to try to deny him the ball. Trey Galloway did a pretty good job in the second half. And I think Toman hit two in the second half after he scored yeah. eight. Eighteen in the first, but it also used a lot of energy. Um, you saw it in the last minutes, uh, Nebraska got some cuts to the basket, um, just because Galloway had spent the entire half yeah. chasing Tomanaga around and staying up on on him. But yeah, that was the uh, performance uh, Nebraska needed on the road, at least in the first half. Um, that was they, yeah, yeah. They, they went up up twenty in the first half uh scored the first two points in the second half too um, and then uh I think the run was twenty to three for uh uh Indiana got got the deficit down to three points and the, the best comparison I could come up with last night was like if Nebraska men's basketball was a TV show, the viewers would be watching that and being like, okay like Find a different plot line. Like you, you yeah. keep recycling this one, this this road game collapse thing. Like find some different storylines to work into the to the main plot. That's what it felt like last night. Yeah, and,
1: yeah. But it was like season midway through season fourteen of Grey's Anatomy, and you're just like, man, we can only watch so many surgeries. You yeah,
0: know? yeah. The, the writers were just out of ideas at that point. Like, what if we had them <laughs> blow a lead on the road again? Uh, would people forget about the last time? They, but yeah, um, unlike previous times, the, the subtle brilliance of the uh, of the writing on this television show, they uh, reversed it at the end, and Nebraska didn't lose its composure. Um, settled back in, uh, Bryce Williams played like a dude pissed off in the second half. Yeah, and yeah, Jamarcus Lawrence too was the was the standout. He was huge in that game in that game it's you know it's been a real kind of rocky season for Lawrence uh he uh, was the starting point guard for the first 20 or so games um he now comes off the bench and he's just there has been such a noticeable difference in his demeanor and the way he plays and he just he looks more confident more comfortable more ag- aggressive he's just he's he looks like he's found his spot uh, uh, coming off the coming off the bench, he had nineteen. Um, uh, had some like six boards, five assists. One of them just a, a rocket of a pass, like around someone into Jawan Gary for an easy layup when Nebraska clean. really needed it. That was his best performance of the year, and it was what Nebraska needed.
1: I I always find that interesting when you you kind of have a starter who is. I don't want to say talent-wise, but roll the fourth or fifth guy, and you you just know it. But when it's somebody like a point guard, you can you can put them with the second unit and say, this is yours. Like, this is your unit. And that's kind of what it seemed like they've done at times with, with Lawrence. Tominaga needs a breather, you know, whenever that happens. <laughs> um, Tomanaga needs a breather. Boom! You have a, a different option. You know that you get to Minneapolis, and Wisconsin is looking to get their their get back, and they're going to double Casey Tominaga with the game on the line. Okay, well, you have another ball handler you can rely on. You know, so so yeah, that's that's kind of like I always view that interesting. Different teams, different coaches view it different, obviously, um, but. Yeah, why not give a guy like that who was good enough to command your offense for twenty games? Why not give him those same, you know, that, that same kind of leeway, if you will, in in maybe a better position to do so coming off the bench? So that's that's big, man. Depth is depth is everything when you get in the March. If you can hit shots, defend just a little bit, and and you have enough depth to to kind of play that many games over over so few days you're probably going to be in a good position and and so being able to bring Lawrence off the bench is obviously huge in that
0: yeah and I think we really saw Nebraska's depth last night rink mast was basically a non-factor on the offensive end and he's been probably Nebraska's most consistent reliable guy all season and that they were able to go on the road and win it game with him not at his best. You know, you see there are guys who can step up to one Gary in a solid game. Obviously we talked about Casey and uh, Bryce Williams, just a lot of a lot of different contributions um leading to a win that Nebraska really, really needed. Um I know uh, I I wrote about this last week. Nobody has gone to the tournament in the 68 team era without winning a game in Uh, on the road in conference play so nebraska now has a path that would not be unprecedented over the past 13 14 years
1: no yeah and and this is probably a good way to 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 just bring up the tournament because now they sit it the morning after they sit at 43rd in the net we had talked a couple of weeks ago maybe last week that you know, I covered, I covered the bubble somewhat extensively last year. Oklahoma State was on the bubble for what felt like an eternity. And, and it it feels like those early 40s, like 42, 43, that is the cutoff for the net rankings anyways. Now, your resume, you know, that'll affect, you know, I'm not the selection committee. But when you look at net teams, usually it's that 42 to 43 is the cutoff the problem you run into if you continue to straddle that line is if you get a bid stealer. Yeah. In a in a league that, you know, if if I don't know, if if St. John's defends the Garden and wins the Big East tournament, they could steal Nebraska's bid. Um so that's that's kind of the line you teeter. All of that to say you have to keep putting together road wins. And especially defending the vault oh, yeah. over over the next two and a half weeks of the regular season, the the last two and a half weeks of the regular season, but they're in, they're in a position to be in a position, I think, which is which is what you want this time of year is to just give yourself a chance, and the Huskers certainly have one.
0: Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. That's as as long as we're on the topic, what what does beating UConn do for Creighton's outlook? I think uh, where they were. I, uh, did Lenardi have him, have him up to the three line uh, the other day?
1: Yeah, he he had him at um, he had him at eleventh. So that would have been what the the second to last three seed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is after last night's games. I don't think Lenardi's put one out. No, uh, I, yeah. Today, I
0: morning.
1: yeah. I, I don't think he's put one out today. But yeah, he had him like right there, like low end three seed. Um, but I think, you know, we do our tournament projection kind of br- bracketology, and and I put in my take yesterday that I think they've solidified themselves at the top four seed Creighton has, I mean, barring an epic collapse, um, which I think would, in the selection committee's eyes, still be fine, given the quality of opponents they play the rest of the way. Um, <clears throat> but barring a, a, a just collapse we have not seen from this team they're going to be a top four seed easily um now the win over number one uconn gives you a little bit more merit um because we all know how topsy turvy college basketball has been this year that number one spot is not easy to hang on to and uconn did it for six weeks uh five weeks six weeks whatever it was and and so you UConn is, is damn good <laughs> to say. Um, I think anybody who has you know, is, is sniffed college basketball this year probably knows that. So beating that team, the reigning, defending national champs in that fashion, you, you could, in theory, with a little bit of help, make a push for a two seed. It would take a lot. I'm not saying Creighton's a two seed. It automatically, you know, just given to them. It would take a lot. They have to win out, maybe or or for sure beat Marquette at least um, to get another one of those like seed line jumping wins. But but they, like Nebraska, in, in an entirely different end of the spectrum, are in a position to be in a position. Yeah. So that's in a in a. In a Jays fan perfect world, they they went out. They sneak in as the eight overall seed. Um, they get to pick where they're going. You know, that, that'd that be the perfect world for Creighton. I think they'll probably end up right on that three-seed line. Um, but who knows?
0: Yeah. Knowledge basketball.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. I – People people uh, I'd be remiss if I did not bring this up on this week's episode. <clears throat> I don't think we talked about it last week when I think so, no. kind of it yeah, when when kind of everything swirled. So Greg McDermott we'll Greg McTherman has addressed the Ohio State rumors. <laughs> um, you know, people people can make of them what you will. Um, you know, whether you think it's bogus, whether you think it's not, you know, whatever. Uh, but but Greg McDermott addressed them. He was on the um I want to get this right. He's on the Zach Gelb podcast, um, with CVS Sports, I believe. And he just point blank period asked asked McDermott is you know, you've been linked to Ohio State, is creating your last job, essentially. And McDermott said, you know, um, Let's see. I want to get the exact quote. He said, you know, never say never. It was a tough choice to turn down Ohio State in 2017. Um, You know, that whole saga, chronicle, episode, whatever you want to call it. I think that's probably pretty well documented. Um, But yeah, let's say never say never that it was tough to turn it down. But here's the exact quote. I've always said that if I had my choice, it would be to end my career at Creighton. Wouldn't it be his choice? I I, w- I would imagine. And if it's not his choice, I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If it you you cannot if he wants to stay, you cannot let Greg McDermott leave. Yeah. Now there's behind the scenes stuff. There's whatever you know. There's stuff that we all don't see, and that's that's good and dandy. You know. You cannot look Greg McDermott leave. I think, um, rarely, 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 rarely. We, I mean, we see it every off season. Rarely do you get a guy who is as committed to a program as he has been to Creighton. Yeah. Now you know I I understand he entertained the Ohio State job like to the point where he had to turn it down or or however that played out in. 2017 um but he's he's assuredly had offers since then teams have reached out to him i'm sure every off season and he's still here he's still in omaha he seemingly wants to be in omaha uh, um and and i don't see a reason that he shouldn't be unless he doesn't you know unless he change part, whatever But like if Greg McDermott wants to be in Omaha, they need to keep Greg McDermott in Omaha.
0: Yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, um, but if I, I'll say it on February 22nd, if I had to take a crack, if this is a massive, if in my mind, because of everything I just said, but if they were going to, I mean, obviously Ohio State's in the conversation, right? Um, and I read an ESPN thing earlier that they didn't say like, oh, yes, like he's a candidate here. Da, 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 da. But they just spun the tires on Louisville. Um, just with the NIL that Louisville has, they looked, they, they need and they will be looking for a program rebuilder. Um, because they are in a bad place. Louisville basketball is in a bad place right now. Um, place. Bad, bad place. And, I mean, Mc, McDermott obviously did what he did. They kind of caught lightning in a bottle and had a trove of success when he first got here, when they were going from the Valley and then the Big East and really ever since. And, yeah, so I, I just, you know, that'd be interesting too. Um, but again, you just if he wants to be here, you have to find the way. Uh, is it, I don't know. Is it a contract extension? Is it a car? Is it, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think I've heard that he has, you know, he can golf anywhere in Omaha. Can he go, you know, would you make it that he can golf anywhere in Lincoln too? I don't know, but you've got to do something, man. You can't let Greg McDermott leave. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. What, what, what's, mm-hmm. what's ahead?
0: Uh, curtin has got St. John's going up. Is that
1: right? Yep. Yep. Got St. John's on Sunday in the garden. Oh um, so that'll be fun. I don't think they know. I don't know if anybody knows what version of St. John's they'll get. I, I think certainly. St. John's and Indiana are in like
0: a dead heat for worst vibes. Yeah. The college yeah. basketball season. Like, yes.
1: Detroit Mercy at least cares. <laughs> you know, <that's>, like <laughs> that was
0: one of my favorite moments of the entire season. Detroit Mercy won its first game and one guy stormed the court.
1: That was <laughs> yeah. incredible. It was the only guy in attendance. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I have no clue. I do know that. It will – Creighton will not get the version of St. John's that they got in January, the St. John's that came into Omaha and hit mid-range after mid-range and scrapped and clawed and had a chance at the buzzer but didn't capitalize on it. I don't think they get that team, but I also have no clue. Um, did you see Rick Petino's comments over the weekend?
0: Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so yeah, they – I can't – they lost – um, last weekend, I don't even remember to who or or what it was because that was that that quickly engulfed anything that had happened right before then. And he had just kind of said, he, "I mean, he unloaded," but in there was, you know, man, we had to recruit these guys last second, like da 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 da. Um, he's too slow. He's too slow. You know, he's physically weak. He's too slow. And it was like oh my goodness and but then they they beat Georgetown oh so barely 90 to 85 on Wednesday and he's like yeah you know i'm i apologize to my players and the players are like yeah we're all good we know he cares about us and so, <laughs> so i just have no clue what the state of saint john's is right now mindset wise um, but i think i don't know i think for creighton it's just about not i mean you you saw this it's it's about not getting up after beating the number one team yeah Yeah, like the as hungry as you were to beat number one you have to go do that at st john's you have to be as hungry to beat st john's as you were to beat uconn um yeah otherwise you know we would sit here and say on next week's episode that in hindsight the UConn win feels a bit tarnished. Now it won't be, you know, I mean, all things considered, how could it be? Yeah. But, you know, I, I, you can't go lay an egg right after. Yeah. Um, what, what did you, you obviously experience that with Nebraska this year? What, what, what did that do for them being so up after beating Purdue and then dropping the next one? What? What did that look like from your perspective?
0: um it, it was interesting because it's hard to tell if that game was that was Iowa um uh we weird game Nebraska is down 17 to two at one yeah. point takes the lead in the second half and then gets just run out of the gym in the last 10 yeah. minutes but um uh it was interesting because I it's hard to tell if that game was you know hangover from beating per- Purdue a few days earlier or if it was just, the road demons that we saw all year long yeah. up until up until last night. Um I know Nebraska has said, and you know you don't know how much of this is just kind of in retrospect. Um right. has said that they wish they had handled they had handled things a little better after beating um
1: yeah
0: um uh after beating Purdue. I remember there was a game a couple days later. I forget which uh exactly one it was but Fred Hoiberg post game said, and you know after the game no more it's we're not dumping water on anyone there's you know none of that like with the rest of the season you know it's it's business we expect yeah. to win so I think um you know again you can make of that what you will I think you can definitely read it as it kind of hardened them a little bit they uh you know they felt good after beating Purdue and got you know, kind of knocked back down to earth and that kind of set the tone for uh, how, uh, how Nebraska collectively, you know, kind of wants to handle itself um, after wins. We'll see it again in a couple days, you know, I'm sure they're feeling pretty good as they should um, winning a game on the road uh, after losing the first seven, you know, big big 10 road wins don't grow on trees regardless of, of who you're playing. And, you know, to get the first one, that was a major stepping stone um, for an NCAA tournament bid, I'm sure they felt good last night coming home. But you know yep. that'll be the next. Uh, you know I think we're uh, we'll see that again. And Nebraska is going to um, have that. Hey, where do they got this weekend? Again, uh, they got Minnesota this weekend. Um, the the revenge. The revenge. Yeah, it's Nebraska has four games left. All four opponents, the Huskers held a double digit lead on at. One point when they played, They're, they they were lost. two and two in those games. Okay,
1: okay, okay. Yes, yeah, so, and yeah. that's the
0: two the two games they have left at home are Minnesota and Rutgers, and um, they were up double digits on both of them on the road. couldn't ha- Couldn't hang on to it. Um, so we'll see round two. I think this the Minnesota game coming up on Sunday. That like Minnesota's a pretty solid team, and you know win win that game and. Nebraska's damn near in the tournament with yeah. three games left, I think.
1: Yeah, let's look at the let's you hear my cat in the back, he said. <laughs> I think this is the second straight week we've had a uh, an Ovi yeah. guest appearance on the Half Court Press Pod. See exactly. Okay. Um Minnesota. Okay, that's the that's the tough thing. Cause it wouldn't even be quad one. Because no. Minnesota's 73rd in the net. That's so tough. That's so tough.
0: You know, what's, what's interesting but, is uh, Minnesota and Ohio State, Nebraska's next two opponents, are both like on the edge of uh, – it's going to be uh, on borderline quad one, quad two when Nebraska goes to Columbus. It'll be borderline quad two, quad three when Minnesota co- comes to Nebraska. The thing is, Minnesota and Ohio State play each other. Tonight, I think, I think, yeah, tonight. Uh, so that could, I think, there's a good chance that determines, you know, the tiers of yeah. the next two games, Nebraska. Yeah, play.
1: I still, I still think, you know, even, even metric metrically aside, I still think these two games are also oh important for them, just because to see how far they have come. They were good enough to have double digit leads over both of these teams over over all of these teams and to not be able to close like imagine imagine how differently we're talking about Nebraska right now if they are 21 and six you know yeah. like that they win both of those they hang on for double digit or they hang on for for wins on the road after leading by double digits and they're 21 and six. And the tournament isn't really a question of if it's where. yeah so but still i I think you know again, morally, it'd be really good for them to just have a double digit lead again and and be able to keep to this time.
0: the double digit leads are generally encouraged when you're playing basketball. That's uh yeah, yeah the numbers guys say, the analytics people say those are. Those are good to have when you're playing in a basketball game.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, we'll have to go to the writers' room and workshop that one the mid-season finale for the Huskers. Um, this is like we. This is like we've dropped. We've dropped eight episodes of your favorite of the of the final season of your favorite series on on Netflix, and we've said you got to wait a month for the last four episodes. Huh. Sorry about it.
0: Yeah, no, Grass <laughs> uh, a week between its second to last game and its last game.
1: Which is weird. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, I think uh I think Kring does too. Um yeah, they nice get Marquette game? next Saturday and then they don't they have a week off and then they go to Villanova uh to end the regular season. So yeah, I don't yeah, is that I don't know if that's common or or what, or if that's just kind of luck of the draw on both of their ends. But that's a good time to get some rest. That yeah. I do know. Yeah. Gear up. It'll be uh,
0: conference tournament time. Uh, you know, John, I think, you know, I can't say for certain, but one week – no, I was about to say one week from today it will be March, <laughs> but it, it won't be because if, <laughs> it was going to be a whole thing about how if we do this on Thursday again, which we often do – our next episode will be in March, but it it That's won't good. be. We will most likely still be February the next time we record That's an okay. episode. So forget everything you know I was about to say.
1: How many years? How, you know, how many times do you get to record a podcast on February twenty
0: ninth? My God, I, I think.
1: We have no choice.
0: It's,
1: you know, it, it just—it just feels like for—for for whatever reason, the opportunity only comes up once every four years, and it's a shame. Um, it's a shame. But March is on the horizon. I'm ready for it. It's, it's I'm getting, ready. I'm ready to get to the nitty gritty.
0: Ever so closer. Well, that—that that was the Half Court Press podcast. We'll see you next time when it, when it is still February. Thanks for listening.